game is never over till the end. Deshaun Lowe's right side. Whenever that clock strikes zero. Caught DeAndre Hopkins. Touchdown, Houston. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access presented by Daikin, keeping Houstonians comfortable with the latest cooling and heating products designed to save energy and improve indoor air quality inside your home. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer and learn more at DaikinLovesHouston.com. D-A-I-K-I-N LovesHouston.com. Daikin. Here's the show. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program as we take you inside NRG Stadium. And it's always fun to visit with the General John McClain. It's going to come up in just a few moments here. But first, I want to introduce you to the injury report for today. Not a whole lot of breaking news here. Will Fuller did not participate in practice with a groin injury. DeAndre Hopkins, who had a DNP yesterday if they had practiced with an illness, was back at it today. Full participation yesterday and today for Bernardrick McKinney coming out the concussion protocol. So that's good news. Limited for Bradley Roby with a hamstring and a bunch of other guys limited today. We'll see how it all shakes out for Sunday. It's a little early to draw major conclusions from the injury report. That Bradley Roby situation, we'll be monitoring that for you. So they're getting ready for Sunday. 325 kick for the Tennessee Titans on Fan Appreciation Day. Get there early. It's going to be fun. Extra tailgating, Super Bowl giveaway, Pro Bowl giveaway. It's going to be fun. All right, let's get to the General John McClain. Merry Christmas, General. Great to have you aboard. How are you doing? Great, Mark. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you and your family and all your listeners. Uh, it's a great time of the year. I'm fired up about this last game because it's the Titans, because the game's got meaning. and really fired up what's going to be probably the Buffalo Bills coming to NRG Stadium in a wild card round. All right, John, a lot of talk about the meaning of the game, potentially seeding. If the Chiefs lose to the Chargers, which could happen, right? That could happen. I know it's kind of unlikely to happen, but that could happen. Uh, And then the Texans have some decisions to make based on that. I'll tell you what, from a personal standpoint, this is just me. They haven't said this, but I don't want to see the Titans celebrate on the Texans' field. I mean, I like it for the AFC South to get two teams in the postseason for the third consecutive year because a lot of people sort of dismiss this division. This is a good division. But I really don't want to see the Titans happy. I want them miserable, and I think this is going to be fun if you can make that happen on Sunday. Bill O'Brien told us Saturday after the Buccaneers' victory. He told us Monday. He told us us Thursday. He's playing to win and some people say, well, maybe he's going to play to win with McCarron. No. Their offense has not been playing well enough to sit Watson and a couple of starters. Those guys need to play. They need to get, as we talked about, with him sharper because they've not been sharp. It would be nice if they actually scored a touchdown in the first quarter, scored a touchdown on their first drive for the first time this season. So this game – Let's be honest. The Chiefs are on a roll. Their defense is playing great. Mahomes is playing great. They're going to beat the heck out of the Chargers, and they're going to be the third seed. And when the Texans kick off, they know the game is meaningless as far as standing in the playoff. But you want to win three in a row, go into the playoffs with some momentum. I was on NFL radio this morning, and Charlie Weiss said, it's not momentum, it's confidence you want to go in with and I'm thinking well confidence comes from momentum you're not yeah. the Patriots where Charlie coached and they won Super Bowls all the time you're the Texans and I don't think you want to come off a loss where you're talking about the loss 
You want to go in 11-5 and five again. Last year, they were not sharp in the first game, especially in the first half defensively and through the whole game offensively. You don't want to go into the playoffs with this offense being inconsistent like last year. And remember the 2016, he rested starters against the Titans. They lost, and then they were not sharp against the Raiders and didn't play well, even though they beat a third-string rookie quarterback. So Bill O'Brien knows this team, and he wants to win, and he wants them to look good so they can go into the Buffalo playoff game with some momentum. So you think it's all about the offense and being in rhythm in the postseason as opposed to the chance to improve your standing. Let's say the Chiefs. No, I think it's both. I mean, yeah. but if you can't improve your standing, I don't think it's going to change the strategy. Mm-hmm. If you were going to play uh, A.J. McCarron, he'd have to be starting all week. He can't just all of a sudden be second team and then Watson get all the reps and then you go, oh, well, Kansas City won, so A.J., you're going to start right. when you haven't worked with the first team. So I think that – they want to look good because they have not looked good lately on offense consistently from start to finish like they had earlier. Well, they did score 24 at Tennessee. I know what you're saying. And in the last game, they got all those takeaways and, and mustered 23 points. Well, Alves was terrible at Tampa. Yeah, they really didn't get it going. But I love the takeaways. I mean, it's a team game, as you know. Special teams played well. They had two of the three phases clicking. I know, but I'm talking about offense. Yeah. Well, but let's say, I think with some of the injury issues they have, they're going to play this one interestingly in that, and this is just my thought, if somebody, it's different if you're going to play a playoff game on Sunday as opposed to the game you're about to play, right, as far as the injuries and how to handle it. I think there is some sort of caution that could take place going into this one. I still think there's a lot on the line as far as momentum. Yes, I agree with you. But it's pretty interesting. Now, Excuse it, me. You said a playoff game on Sunday. The Texans mm-hmm. will play the early playoff game on Saturday because that's where they play every time they're in the playoffs. You never know until you know, John. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, well, you want uh, Let's make a bet. All right, so Bills, uh, Bills, Texans. All right, maybe that doesn't bust the national marquee the way Philly, San Francisco would. Okay, but let me give you another one. Minnesota, New Orleans. Better? Oh, that's better because people, the Saints are kind of a South team. I think, mm-hmm. yes, they've won a Super Bowl. They got Drew Brees setting records. Oh, yeah. New Can't. Orleans is going ahead of the Texans. And even if it's Buffalo, you know, Buffalo's got fans in upstate New York, but maybe J.J. Watt coming back will help. But just every time they've put them in the I know. early window. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, if it turns out to be that. Oh, no. Pittsburgh's national following Patrick Mahomes. That's yeah. a big one. Yeah, I know. Even though Pittsburgh would have Hodges playing quarterback, it doesn't matter. I don't matter. think it matters. Their fans are still going to be interested in the Duck. And if it's the Titans and Texans, no doubt. But I think there's no doubt now. It'd be shocking if they actually put them on later and or put them on a Sunday slot. You're looking at if that's the case, you're looking at a short week to get ready for the game. That's and they just went point. through this exercise last year, and I know it's a completely brand new situation. They're going to have. Listen, they have a better offense than they did last year. You can talk about numbers or whatever or rhythm, but and I know they're coming off a big win last year going into the postseason, right? At home, they got momentum. It didn't turn out that way once they got to the starting line of the postseason. So I don't know if that is going to figure into their thinking, John, but let's talk about some of the things that they're doing well, some of the things they want to improve upon. I think defensively it's interesting. J.J. Watt, 
could be available. He's tracking. He's practicing. Are you talking about the playoffs? Yeah. You're looking ahead. No, no, no. You're I'm, not supposed to look ahead. No, I'm talking about the defense and how well they've been doing. You know, I know Watt is coming back, and that should be a boost, right? But I think the D's been doing pretty well anyway. I know Denver, it seems like an outlier. I'm hoping it, it, it was. They played well against the Patriots. I know they gave up a couple of touchdowns in the second half. They played well against the Titans. I'll throw this number at you. They held the Titans to 21. They held the Bucks to 20. These were red-hot teams coming into that game, each of them. Titans and, were averaging 37 and the Bucks 34. Each of them had a four-game winning streak. And you hold them to 21 or 20 at their place in a really big game for each team, especially for the Titans. I think that D is doing a good job. Even though it's 28th overall, 28, 20th against the run and Yards. 30th against the pass, and they do not have a – to show you how bad the pass rush is, watch still number two in sacks with four. But it's like you said, they've done well when it comes to points. Mm-hmm. And you can't beat that. Since Watt went down, they have plummeted in every stat, but they're five and two without JJ. Five and two. Yep. You know, it's funny, two of the quarterbacks you mentioned, Denver, they lose to Drew Locke, they lose to Kyle Allen. Yeah. Both of them at home. Strange. Just think if they'd have won both those games over those quarterbacks where they'd be right now. Even one of those games. Even one of those games, but they'd be they'd have a they'd have uh would they have first round bye? Yeah, because they tie New England. If if they're able to beat Gosh, the Titans on just Sunday. Just like last year, and they beaten Philly in that game, and they mm-hmm. beaten Blank Gabbert. It's just it's maddening for fans to think about games like that. But to be uh, – they are, let's see, I wrote this yesterday, and I forgot the number, like 5-1 and one when they hold, hold a quarterback less than 100 on the ratings. Mm-hmm. Tannehill's been great. In that loss to New Orleans, he was 130 rating, three touchdowns, no interceptions. They didn't lose because of him, and they kept him to a 92. And it's the only time now in his last six games he's been below 130. John, if I told you after the Texans come home from Baltimore, they lost 41-7 to up there. If I told you they would win four of the next five and they'd beat the Patriots and the Colts and the Titans, you would have taken that every which way you possibly every can. Every which way I possibly could. After that game, I thought, man, oh, man, this team is going nowhere. And I thought the same thing about Denver. Then they go beat two red-hot teams on the road. This Tennessee game is the first time they've been home since that Bronco game. Yep. And uh, I think you're talking the defense has played better than expected considering – Last year, they got 25 sacks from White and Clowney, and this year they've gotten four from that twosome because Clowney's gone and Watts had his four because of the injury. And so, yeah, except for the Denver game, I think Romeo Cornell has done a terrific job. But right now, if you had to pick an assistant coach of the year, it'd be Brad Seeley because of the outstanding job he's done with the special teams, which are better by far than any time in Texans history. I love forcing the return on kickoffs. And I like they, it, too. And we all blasted Fairbairn early, but the way he is placing the ball, mm-hmm. Texans are number one in kickoff coverage. They're number one in punt coverage. They're DeAndre Carter's number two in punt returns. The only thing they're not ranked in the top three or four his kickoff returns and 22 yards is not too bad. And then anger's been unbelievable. And Fairbairn's been good except early in the year. Every time he missed an extra point early, they won the game. He did wow. not miss an extra point in a victory. I mean, in a loss. 
That's saying something right there. Their special teams have been tremendous. Carter's still not a great returner, but he's good enough. But, boy, they're winning the field position game from both of those guys. And Fairbairn had a good punt, too. John, Titans' perspective, two games at home, big ones. They lose them both to good teams. Just taking things from their point of view here for a moment, how are they feeling coming into this one? Now, I know they got to feel pretty good that despite those two losses, if they win, they're in. So that's something right there. But they can't feel happy about blowing those two opportunities in their own gym. Obviously not, but they've got uh, Derrick Henry back now. He missed that New Orleans game because of a hamstring injury. That was bothering him against the Texans in a game before. So he's back. And if they lose, or in these last two losses, they haven't lost because of the quarterback. Right. When they've lost in the past, it's usually been because of the quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Tannehill's playing great. Yep. And uh, he played really well against the Texans. So he's not the issue. They're still trying to sign him to a new contract. I believe they will. They gave up 38 points against the Saints, and then they gave up, what, 24 against the Texans. So their defense, which had been their strength for a long time, is not playing as well. And, of course, like the Whitney Merciless 86-yard reception, that was so big. Mm-hmm. Think about that. They could have at least kicked a field goal in a three-point game. And yep. then Angelo Blackson, the first player to block field goal in back-to-back games since 2012, both block field goals and three-point games, those things were huge. There's one thing I know about this game. Mike Vrabel's not going to try a fake field goal, a fake punt. I'm sorry. <laughs> it worked last year. See? It did not work this year. I can't imagine he'd try it again. Now he should. Just kidding Since about that. Nobody's thinking about it. Who, concern, who concerns you more, Derek Henry or A.J. Brown and or Jonu Smith, some combination of those other two guys. Go ahead and Jonu Smith come on. I mean, that guy, I remember uh, last year they gave a ball to Luke Stocker in a short yardage situation mm-hmm. on the goal line. He's gone. Jonu Smith, one of the most impressive plays I've ever seen is when he ran down Whitney Merciless from the position where he was in. Then he had the 57-yard run. He had some long run against the Saints. But still... Derrick Henry. You know, you could double A.J. Brown. Brown leads the NFL with seven plays of 45 or more yards. Mm. And six of them receptions. One was a run. They've had a run by him and a run by Johnny Smith the last two games. you got to beware of all kinds of things with our offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. And as we've seen Derrick Henry before, he's a good receiver who can take it to the house coming out of the backfield. But to me, he is the most important player on that offense. All right. Well, we'll He makes the play action go. What is it going to take to run the football better? They did it well against the Titans a couple of weeks ago. You had Carlos Hyde go over 100 yards the day he went over 1,000. Well, Mark, you're going against Tampa's giving up 73 yards a game rushing. Mm -hmm. The Buccaneers' front seven is great. Their inside linebackers, Levant David and uh, Devin White, those guys are tremendous, both number one picks. So, see, I think it was eight first down runs in the first half for 11 yards. Come out in the second half, first down pass completes. First down pass complete. First down run, Carlos Hyde, zero yards. You don't want to continually put Deshaun Watson in second long 
situations. The general stays with us. Next up, we'll go around the league a little bit on the Chiefs situation. John Harris after that. More likely to happen, including Texans touchdown passes. You'll want to stick around for that. It's Texans Radio. Keeping your company the day after Christmas with the general John McClain on Texans All Access with the Texans facing Tennessee. Don't forget, 325 kick. I have still run into some people who don't know that or didn't know that until I told them. One of them was Mrs. Vandermeer. I said, come on, you get the notifications. You know, why didn't you tell me? You get all the news. Are you not following? See, people need to know. 325 kick Sunday, Texans, Titans, in do you the like regular that? season finale. Do you like that late start? I do uh, not. From a work standpoint, you know I don't like that. A, a noon kick is beautiful from a work standpoint for us, for what we do. I think it's better for the fans, though, to have a 325 kick. I think it's great for the Or 305 would probably be ideal as far as possible kickoff times because – you get a longer morning, you're still back in time for a little dinner, and you get to bed early. So that's a great thing. And I think it's great for the tailgaters and all of that. So this is a cool thing to have the regular season finale. And by the way, Pro Bowl tickets given away, Super Bowl tickets given away at the game, giveaways galore at the game virtually every time out, entire rows winning things and sections. I, they have a lot of stuff to it's give unbelievable. away. unbelievable. Y'all giving away Super Bowl tickets. Can I get in on that? Uh, no, you're ineligible, General. So the Dolphins, you know, if this game were in Miami, you'd almost say there's a shot because the Dolphins beat the Patriots in Miami a lot late in the season. But they flipped this. Now they're at Foxborough. Probably no shot for Miami. And by probably, you're going to say no chance in... No chance okay. because New England needs to win to get the second seed. Mm-hmm. If they lose and Kansas City wins, then Kansas City gets the second seed. And the Patriots don't know how to act having to play in the first round. Yeah, they wouldn't understand how to handle that. Okay, General, you got the Bears at the Vikings. Never mind the Vikings situation there in the postseason. But the Bears, John, where do they go from here? Is it possible that after two years they say, you know what, it's really not working out as well as we had hoped. We made a mistake. We're going to move on from Trubisky. No No way way that happened. I'm just asking. No way that happened. I was thinking about this because I thought, you know, when you draft a quarterback in the first round and you don't like it, after two years, that might be enough time. You cannot sit there and hope that he's going to become as good or even 75% as good as Mahomes or Watson. Well, the guy that traded up to get him, GM Ryan Pace, may think, well, the problem's not him. The problem's Mike Nagy and the Mm. coaching staff because, obviously, he should be a great quarterback like all these guys I passed up Mm -hmm. to get him. So, no. Mitchell Trubisky will be back as their starter. All right, so the Chargers at the Chiefs, any chance? All right, you don't give the Chargers a chance? They're not afraid of Kansas City, but they are afraid of missing their tea time on Monday. Give me a So that could be a problem. Okay, Jets at the Bills. Now, if it is the Bills, and that's the chalk pick for the Texans' first-round playoff opponent, how tough is Buffalo, John? The defense is great. The offense is not very good, just like when it was here last year. The Bills were had Josh Allen as a rookie. You know, he's a good runner. He's not accurate down the field. and But their defense was great. Ed Oliver, I think Ed Oliver would be fired up to come to play at NRG Stadium in the first round Yikes. of playoff. Their running mm-hmm. game is not real good. I think the Texans will beat them unless they come out flat as a pancake like they did against Indy last year. But – this is an interesting game. The Jets have been playing really well. And it makes you wonder if Sam Darnold hadn't missed those games with Mono early in the season, would they be playing for a winning record? Mm-hmm. Josh Allen going up against Greg Williams. Greg Williams just did a great job against Doug Hodges, but he's a rookie. Greg blitzes like crazy. And 
that means he's, Allen's probably going to get hit quite a bit. And they've said Allen's going to start, so they want uh, – I'm taking Buffalo at home, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Jets win because the Bills may pull some guys. Okay, well, they want Allen to get in rhythm or whatever, but Allen does sacrifice the body on occasion. They better be careful with this. And by better be careful, I mean take all the chances you need to, Bills. All right, so the Packers are at the Lions. I'm only bringing this one up because you mentioned Matt LaFleur as Coach of the Year today on Sports Radio 610 with the morning show, Seth and Sean, and I kind of agree with this. I mean, not a, I'm not going to say not a ton was expected, but – not this. This was unexpected. This kind of performance on the Packers. They still have a chance to be number one and get the number one seed. And uh, my choice is Kyle Shanahan. But Matt LaFleur is close behind like John Harbaugh. And when when we were up there and the Texans played and practiced against them, I thought they were, based on what I saw and what do I know, I thought, well, this team's going to miss the playoffs three years in a row. Mm-hmm. And Matt's done a tremendous job with a quarterback with a huge ego. And, and Rodgers hadn't played great, but their defense has been good. The running game's been good. They're not totally reliant on Rodgers as they have been in the past. And I think that's testimonial to Matt. LaFleur and Mike Patton, the defensive coordinator. I think Mike Patton should be a candidate for another possibility here. I don't think he got a fair shake. Just People my thought. People always look at those at the coordinators of the teams that are doing well, and a lot of coaches get a second shot. Nobody holds it against you if you've been fired by the Browns. Right. It was the Browns, and they had Brian Hoyer, and it just did not go well. They were 6-3 and three at one point. Uh, John, Matt Patricia with the Lions. What's the situation? He's got a built-in excuse with Matthew Stafford missing all his games for the first time. So he'll be back for his third season. And if they don't get a lot better, he'll be going next year. Panthers hosting the Saints. Any thoughts on who's next in Carolina? Said they interviewed Mike McCarthy. If I'm Cleveland, I'd want a veteran coach like that, coaching all those big egos that I have in Cleveland, not to mention all that talent. But uh, they may go to the college ranks. Nobody has any idea. they got to bring in a football guy to run the show. But they're saying they're keeping Marty Herney. If you're a guy who goes in there, do you mm. want to work with the general manager? I don't think so. It's going to depend on what kind of coach, what kind of experience the coach has. John, are the Falcons the best losing team in the NFL? Got to be, right? Everybody's pulling for the Falcons because everybody likes Dan Quinn. It's his fifth year. He's a class guy. They started one in season for seven. They've won in San Francisco. They won in New Orleans. People may think that if they win this, finish on a roll, Quinn might be back for his sixth season. All right, so the NFC East will be decided this weekend. The Eagles are going to be at the Giants. Let's start with that one. Who wins that game? Daniel Jones had five touchdowns last week, more than 300 yards. First rookie in history to have five touchdowns, 300 yards, and no interceptions. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think Philadelphia, playing for so much, is going to win. Wouldn't it be something if they got beat? Cowboys beat Washington. Cowboys host a playoff game. Win the playoff game. Jerry Jones says, you know what? Uh, We'll bring Jason back one more year. It's not going to happen. He's gone. But uh, I think Philadelphia and Dallas will both win, and Eagles will win the division. Okay, so the Steelers are at the Ravens, and Pittsburgh's still alive. RG3. He's announced he's holding out a lot of his starters, but only one offensive lineman. So uh, Steelers, 
Do you go with RG3 or Duck Hodges, who's not playing well? I think the Ravens are really good. They're going to win that game. I think the Ravens are going to win that game, too. Yeah, they want to win that game. It's going to be interesting. The Col- Well, maybe not that interesting. The Colts at the Jags. Why am I bringing this up? Your level of surprise that Marone is back with Caldwell, at least for now. That's according to some reports. Ian Rappaport said that, and I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, that they just think Coughlin was the problem and they fired him. I hope Marone gets to come back. Doug's a good guy, fun guy. People over there like him. He started his news conference on Wednesday apologizing for not getting the team to be better, which some people thought is, is a, sounds like a guy on his way out the door. Sounds to me like a guy who doesn't want to go out the door. So I think Indy will win the game to finish 8-8. Eight eight. Naheem Hines just had... Two punt returns for touchdowns mm-hmm. and a 40-yarder to, to set up a touchdown. When I saw the Colts score 38 points, I thought, wow, Brissette Brick- had another great game like he had against the Texans in October and turned out he was terrible. They won because of special teams and defense. What are they going to do there at quarterback in Indy? If they believe this is because of a knee injury he had earlier, that his, he's off target and not throwing the ball much because of his knee. Remember, he signed a multi-year deal. Mm-hmm. The best game he's ever played was against the Texans when they had four touchdown passes and over 326 yards and a 125 rating. He's never come close since. If I'm them, I'm looking for another quarterback unless Mm -hmm. they can convince Andrew Luck to come back. John, likelihood of that happening? I'm going to say no. Peep, it's wishful thinking. Andrew just doesn't seem like the guy that would take a year off, disappear, and then come back. Yeah, because the reasons that he gave for walking away, that could crop up instantly. Of oh, now course. I got a hamstring. Now of I got course. a this. Now I got a that. And, and his injuries, the pain he was in all the time, was beginning to affect him away from football. Yep. And I'll guarantee you he's missed the game, but he's a really smart guy who's got a lot of interest, just like his dad. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm, maybe he'll pop up on TV in a studio show or something like that, but I don't see him coming back with a new lease on life at 30 uh, as much as I'd love to see it. John Gruden has the Raiders in the playoff hunt going into the final weekend. Snowball's chance, that's it. But what do you think? They're fa- they're facing the Broncos in the regular season finale. I would rather see the Titans or Steelers than the than the Raiders. The Raiders, to me, just don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Eight things have to happen over the last two weeks. Four of them already have. They've got to have four more, and they're not out mm. of the realm of possibility. It's not like Detroit's got to beat Green Bay, which is something that could change in the NFC if it happens. But uh, I think they're not. But i tell you what, Mike Mayock having him there, and even though he's getting a lot of credit, Gruden signs off. Gruden is the boss. Just like if the Texans bring, make somebody a general manager. They might as well just go ahead and name Bill. Give him the general manager title because Bill makes those decisions. But if Mayock has done a good job recommending things to Gruden. I'll put it like that. Niners at the Seahawks, big one Sunday night. Boy, how in the world did Arizona go up there and win? Mm -hmm. That one just blows me away and beat them bad. Now they've got injuries. They've got to sign beast mode. San Francisco, I think, will win because Seattle won at San Francisco, and the 49ers will beat them and win top seed in the NFC. Kyle Shanahan will be named Coach of the Year. John, what do you have going out of the Chronicle? 
Got a story for Friday about the inconsistency of the offense and uh, things going on on that side of the ball. Had one today that's on HoustonChronicle.com about how great the special teams have been. And yesterday I did uh, one about the defense. John, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you very much, Mark, and Happy New Year. We are not quite there yet, but getting there soon enough. Remember, Fuddruckers Texans Players Show Monday at 6, special day. Monday at 6 with Cecil Shorts III. Looking forward to a visit with him. Coming up, John Harris will play more likely to happen. Then we'll have predictions, his version, coming up at 7 as we have the two-hour edition tonight. Then Zach Cunningham at 7.20. And the final segment, Jim Wyatt of the Tennessee Titans, formerly of the Tennessean. He'll talk about what is to come with the Titans visiting NRG Stadium Sunday at 3.25. It's Texans Radio. I think Henry comes back. It's not going to be an excessive number, I don't think. But I think it's going to be a decent enough number. I think the Texans will try and sp- I don't know, split carries, share carries amongst the guys. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a game next week. The Titans don't know if they have a game. Yeah. They're playing for their football 2019 lives. they got to go all in on this. Yes. And the last couple of games, they have not fared well in losing to the Texans and the Saints. And this is it, the last house on the left. Although they can still get in yeah. with some help, yeah. which is bizarre. How about that? If you lost three in a row and could still get still into the postseason. The I mean, that – look, I'm not big on this backing into the postseason thing if that's the way it works out because you did the work to get the nine wins if you're the Titans. Right. And if it holds up, it holds up. Mm-hmm. But that's going in with – zero momentum i mean mclean and i had this yeah. debate about momentum earlier like what does it really mean well that would be zero that's negative momentum well here's the thing about momentum going into the playoffs this is a side note yep the patriots have gone to the super bowl how many times in a row yeah. and they've always had that buy in the first week yep so whatever momentum you have sort of stops and then it takes a break mm-hmm. it doesn't really carry over right to the divisional round and in fact last year they didn't really do a ton at the end of the year. What they did do at the end of the year was they sort of found their running game. So they sort of found something and went, hmm, okay, Smithers. Yeah. And he ended up using that, Josh McDaniels did, when they got to the playoffs. So what they did was it wasn't so much they had momentum, but they sort of found something that they felt like they were going to go to. And then all of a sudden they started pounding the rock to get themselves to the Super Bowl, and they did enough in that game. So I don't know if that – I don't know if momentum plays a role. 2009. Yep. The Saints win 13 games in a row. Yeah. 13 games in a row. L, L, L to finish the year. Mm-hmm. When won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, That's I mean, a good I, point. I think it can go – I think, it, you know, momentum can go any number of ways. I think the biggest thing is you've got to be healthy. You've got to be – you've got to be healthy. You've got to be healthy. You have, a, you have to have a good game plan, and you just have to do some things well early, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Because in baseball, what do you say? Momentum is only as good as your next starting pitcher, no right? Exactly. And in football, it might be, hey, this drive just gave us some momentum. Right. You know, we strung some first downs together, we scored, and all of a sudden the whole world seems different to you. And in one game, that could certainly be the difference. Look at this team. Look at the way they lost to Denver after beating the Patriots. Then they come back and win a really important game after that, winning on the road against Tennessee. Anything's possible. And if the Titans ended up losing three in a row and still got in the playoffs, think about who they have lost to. They would have lost to us, to us, 11-win team. Right. They would have lost to the Saints, at least a, a, a right, 12-win team right now. So they would have lost to both Good South squads. Conference champions. So it's not that they lost to – you know, some slappies, mm-hmm. uh, they lost to a couple of really good teams down the stretch and would have finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, mm-hmm. if that happens, 
and the Texans were to win, wow, what about that? If the Texans were to then beat them and get them to 8-8 eight and eight, and the Chiefs somehow stubbed the toe against the Chargers, guess who would be coming here again? Oh, gosh, that would be I, I mean, so weird. It would be weird. And then all the things start coming Don't up. Don't like, even start with me about <laughs> about the scenarios. I mean, you lose three in a row. They got to oh, come in here. No, you haven't. But that would be the worst thing in the world. Don't, I think it would be too. It I would be it, awful. I think it would be. Too. I don't want to see it. Let's just see how it goes here. I definitely want to beat them on Sunday. Let's see how uh, you progress from there. All Long right, next. story short, Derrick Henry to have more yards than the Texans' top rusher. Okay, I am not ready to sign up for that just okay. yet. I don't right. want it. Next more one. likely to happen. More likely to happen. All right, that number is still out there as far as touchdown passes for this team. The team record is 29. There are 27 right now. All right, Watson's okay. touchdown pass would be touchdown pass to Darren Fells was not, and that's the only one you were going to have that day, so yep. it didn't occur. Anyway, so 30 would be the record. They're at 27 as a team right now. More okay. likely to happen. They get to 30 or they win. Which is more likely to happen? Both could occur. But which is more likely to happen? They win the game on Sunday or they get to 30? Win. Okay. I think a win. I, I, I think three touchdown passes is a lot to ask, especially who knows how the thing is going to shake out and how they would I, score. I do think they can throw the ball. I think teams can throw the ball on the, on the Titans. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've not had a Dory Jackson. Now he's been trying to practice and get back. But I don't think the Titans secondary is that good with him or without him. So mm-hmm. I do think there is an opportunity to put some points on the board throwing the football. But the Texans have done a really good job of getting inside the five and turning and handing that ball to Carlos Hyde. Yeah, so I think Carlos is going to get it in the end zone. They've also run Deshaun Watson. I don't know if I would expect that as much this week as as the Titans have seen in the past. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd put winning above getting to the three. Okay, I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be a situation in which you know maybe Deshaun throws one or two. And then somebody carries it over. You know, AJ McCarron goes in and throws a couple of them. So right. I'm sort of picking winning as what I'd like to see. And then Deshaun goes back in 2020, shatters it. He goes for like 45 touchdowns. Yeah, because be awesome. they're going to have one of those years at some point. It's, where it's just this this enormous amount of touchdown yes. passes, and they'll race right by it. That's what it looked like, yes, in 2017. All right, next one. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. Doug Marone back or Jason Garrett back? Oh, Doug Marone back. I know the report is out there, Johnny, but (laughs) it's not so much. I'm going uh, negative negative assurance on this Did I just sigh on the radio about the Jaguars? Did that happen? I'm going negative assurance. It's, to me, which one do I think is more likely to be? Yeah, and I think that's Jason Garrett. I think it's. A I think good it's call. Jason Garrett. I I wouldn't be totally surprised to see both of them go. Right. But I think one of them is definitely going to go. And I think it's Garrett. I don't think there's any way Garrett gets back. I I just don't. I don't even. I don't even care if they win. Somehow the Eagles get beat and the Cowboys beat the Redskins and the Cowboys get to playoffs and even get to the NFC Championship game. I still don't think that'll be enough. I think Jerry's just like, no, this team is too talented. We got to do some things. We got somebody that's got. We got to get somebody's going to take us to a different level. So I think they're going to go a different direction. I know what the report that Rappaport had the other day about uh, Shad maybe keeping David Caldwell and Doug Marone. I was that a market research questionnaire? I don't know what that was because did Shad Khan crazy like a fox decide? Hey, float that one out there, see how maybe. that goes. Maybe so. And if it's enormously negative, and then you say, "All right, forget about it. Let's maybe, just move on." Maybe so. I mean, if I'm shot, 
I'd probably cleanse the whole thing. To be was honest. Coughlin the problem in Jacksonville? Look, I think Doug Marone's a good coach. I really do. I don't know why it's not going better. In fact, the very thing that you think plagues the Jaguars is the thing that shouldn't be happening under Coughlin and right. Marone right. because those guys run a tight ship and everything like that. Exactly. Forget about Caldwell for a moment because I don't know who's making the decisions there as far as players, but I think Marone's proven to be a pretty good coach, yeah. but it hasn't gone well the last couple of years, and they have had some good players, so let's just see what happens. What happened, though, in mm-hmm. both 18 and 19? What happened? Complete and total meltdown yeah. from the quarterback. Again. Yeah. Again. Minshew kept them around. Look, there's enough talent now. DJ Chark is is evolving into one of the better receivers in the league. Leonard Fournette. I was watching Leonard Fournette against the Falcons the other day. He's starting to show a little bit of shake in his run. He's a little bit more disciplined in what he's doing. You know, there's there's now more there to deal with, but they've got to do it consistently. And they're not doing it consistently. Now, the other thing I would tell you is I don't think defensively. I mean, in 2017, I remember seeing them here, and I was like, that team is nasty. Like I don't want to see them in a bar fight. Not at right. all. This year, we in both games physically beat them up for at least six or seven of the eight quarters. The fourth quarter, they kind of wow. got on us a little bit here, but we physically beat them up. Defensively, they don't scare anybody anymore. They don't scare anybody anymore. And so now you got this offense where the quarterback is like, eh. and defensively, you look out there and go, "Well, we're just going to pound it right down your throat." Good luck. And that's what, what we did in London. What do they do at quarterback? Uh, I think you draft one. I think they got to draft one and keep Minshew around. I think you keep keep Minshew around. Minshew, I think starts as your starter. The Nick Foles thing failed that spectacularly. Yeah, I it really so. did. I, I think so. Yeah, I, I, it's. I hate it because I like Nick Foles. I yeah. like all he stands for, but he was going to a situation in Jacksonville where he didn't have Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. He didn't have the three running backs that he had to throw to. He didn't have all those receivers to throw to. He didn't have that at all. And because he didn't have that, he didn't have great protection. He didn't have that offensive line. That was probably the biggest thing. Nick just Nick's not going to be a guy to carry your team. Mm. And if Philly fans are honest with themselves, they realized that and said, yeah, Nick was the right guy at the right time for that team because he understood the offense. He, he could get the ball to all those different pieces. He wasn't going to happen like that in Jacksonville. All right, let's get to the last one here. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. The combine moves or the combine stays? Combine we've, moves. We've booked our trip yep. for Indy this year. Okay, now now when are you talking combine moves, like just in the near Next future? Next year or two. Yeah, I think, it, I think it moves. I think it stays in Indy for a little bit. Here's the thing. I, I love Indy for the combine. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's perfect because you don't have a bunch of distractions. It's a lot like an NFL reunion. It's a great work environment. It's a yeah, convention it's a, for the it, league. Right. It's a, exactly. It is, it's perfect. You know, scouts and, and coaches and all that, they all get together in Indianapolis. You know, you're not tempted by, you know, the, the trappings of L.A. and being out in L.A. and all that. It's, the Senior Bowl is kind of like that, too, where you're down in Mobile, and it's this great southern town, but you're not, there's not a whole lot to do there other than go, go watch ball, mm-hmm. go watch film, Get your staff together, just uh, have interviews, all that kind of stuff, and and be together. And it's right. kind of this big reunion for you know scouts getting together and watch. I just think Mobile and Indianapolis are great from those perspectives for the Senior Bowl and for the Combine. I just we know the power of television. We know it in our yep. world. We know that you know what. Put the forty yard dash. Put that in prime time and let let some of these guys that have gotten some 
real acclaim for what they're doing. Can you imagine Will Fuller running a four three one on you know a Wednesday night or a Thursday night when they're playing the combine? I've always said time? it. Look, that I want credit for that idea of putting the forties in prime time. You're, you're genius, and I call it the forties. You're absolutely. The 40s. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Genius. It's like the Olympics, the 40s. But people no, want to see speed. People want to see the fastest guys, yeah. and these are among the fastest guys in the world. Yeah. Even though Usain Bolt can show up at the NFL experience and in his socks run a 40, that's like a 4-1-something or whatever it was. I mean, think about it this way. The fans can only get in to see one thing. Mm-hmm. That's the bench press. And, Mark, every seat is filled. Yes. Every and seat it's the is bench press. filled. And there are people lined up 10, it's ridiculous. 12 deep where you're standing to watch, where we can watch because we obviously have credential. But the fans fill the stands to watch guys do bench press. And you they love the, it. You know what the funny thing they is, love though? It. People say, oh, that, yeah, they'll watch that. And then people poo-poo a preseason game. I'm like, you're, wait a minute. You'd rather watch a guy lift weights than play an actual football That's game? True. And these are the players we're talking about. I know. It's the rookies, true. the guys who need some development. And you're not watching them lift weights or run a cone drill. Yeah. They're actually playing the sport. Yeah. Nah, no, no, I'm good. I'm, watching, I'm good watching the bench press. Yeah, exactly. This is what I want to be seeing. Now, obviously, the TV ratings don't reflect that. The TV ratings are still huge for preseason compared to other sports and all that. I don't have to get into all that right now. Is the Senior Bowl unmined territory as far as entertainment for the – mass audience or more of a mass audience uh, you go every year you see this stuff i think it's still fairly niche i think it's an audience that it's growing it's definitely mm-hmm. grown mm-hmm. but i don't think it's you're gonna put all that stuff in prime time i, I don't think it's gotten to no. that level because you're getting the you're getting the great seniors the problem is you don't have the underclassmen, the names that people are going to know the names that are going to be first rounders because we think about right. the nfl draft what does everybody get really excited about they get excited about the first round i mean that's yeah. that's the one that's in prime time that they want to see friday's in prime time but thursday night that's the first round. a lot of those guys are are juniors or they're underclassmen so you don't get those players if you got everybody like you do at the combine right and you got an opportunity to see some of these underclassmen you know quarterbacks throw it out at the senior bowl yeah and that's the other thing the senior bowl, if there are quarterbacks there like the one year that baker mayfield and josh allen that's pretty now that cool. that would have been a year you wanted to see that a lot of fans would have wanted to see. But when you don't have a year that's kind of dominated by quarterbacks, then I think fans would be like, well, okay. they, you know what they really need? The Junior Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> the guys come out early. If there's a way they could throw them all together. Yeah. That would, but they're never going to get there because a lot of if you know your first round pick, you're just not going to participate. That'd be huge. All right, so John Harris stays with us. We'll do his predictions, and we'll do the college football playoff stuff, too, and the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, which is tomorrow right here in this building, NRG Stadium. It's Texans Radio. Bonus time here on Texans Radio. Texans All Access tonight. Mark Vandermeer with John Harris here in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio across the hall from the locker room. Texans working out today. They had Christmas off. Are they ever really off? I don't know if O'Brien had the coaches come in on Christmas. Not sure about that, but probably because there's a lot of work to do to get ready for the Titans and also whoever you might face after that because there are a lot of different options there. And Buffalo, probably the odds-on favorite to be the playoff opponent, Johnny. But you definitely have some other options, and they got to be ready for everything. They can't just Sunday afternoon, 
you know, who are we playing? Yeah. I forgot. Oh, yeah, okay, let's just get ready for that. Anybody have YouTube video? No, they get ready for this stuff. They gear up, or they have to have all this information at their fingertips. Well, if there's anybody that understands that, the Harris family definitely understands that because my dad, for a long time, when he was he was the sophomore and JV team coach, and so Ooh. on Friday nights – he very rarely got a chance to see me play because mm-hmm. he would be out and about doing advanced scouting. Like, they would be three and four weeks ahead. And once they got to playoff time, I mean, my dad saw games like, why are you going to see that game, Dad? Why are you scouting that game? It's like, well, you know, we might face them in the third, fourth round. So they they did the advanced scouting thing. And, I mean, it's it, obviously you do in the NFL, you do it everywhere. But they were scouting games that, okay, well, you know, the bracket could go this way. Mm-hmm. So you you got to be ready for whatever happens in the playoffs. So uh, that whole advanced scouting thing, the, the, the Harris family definitely knows that. And he's been, he did that for a long, long time. I mean, seeing games Thursday night, sometimes Thursday night, Friday night, even Saturday night, getting ready for opponents down the road. So you got Buffalo, you got Pittsburgh, you got Tennessee, you got Oakland. Those are the teams that you possibly could play. You have played Tennessee twice. You played Oakland earlier in the year. Right. You haven't seen Pittsburgh in a couple of years, and you saw Buffalo last year. But these teams change so often. But at least in Buffalo and Pittsburgh, similar coaching staffs, the personnel has changed not a whole lot in Buffalo. So that kind of mm-hmm. helps you a little bit. Pittsburgh – might be a completely different animal if you get a chance to see them. But a lot to play out this weekend. But I, I, I love that aspect about it, like looking ahead to see who you've got to be ready for and start looking at teams. In fact, I was watching a little bit of Buffalo earlier today against the Patriots, just watching a little bit of that game going back. And I didn't get a chance to see much of that because we were flying home on Saturday, so I didn't see much. So I was going back and looking at that game. And, whew, and I saw them play against the Bills uh, on Thanksgiving, and you're like, ooh, man, that's mm-hmm. that's a – that's a tough ball club. It's a really tough ball club. But I got to thinking about this. I've we, we've talked, you and I, Mark. I don't know if we talked too much about this per se, per se. About you know, do you rest guys? Do you not? Do you, you know, rest versus rust, all that kind of stuff. I do believe you've got to be you know as healthy as you can be going into that game to to end up making a what's run. best for the team. You have to decide yeah. what's best for the team, right. even if the Chiefs win. And you that's have to decide a, if it's and, worth it. And that's a good point. There are going to be some teams in which they could probably handle not playing everybody like the team could handle it because you know the next week they're going to come back and whoever didn't play because you're resting them is going to come back ready to go and they're going to be some teams where maybe you can't do that with right you know they're going to be some teams that maybe they they need to keep playing they need Mm -hmm. to kind of find their rhythm or energy whatever it might be um but it's a fun time at least we're talking about that we are look at least we're talking about that how many teams every team goes to training camp let's make the playoffs right yes i mean the patriots say let's win the super bowl but and some teams have that because right. they've been deep numerous years deep road, or a yeah. lot of years. But most teams, you go in, let's go to the playoffs. Let's, let's, get see, to the let's, dance. let's make a run. It's such a privilege to be in the postseason, and it's something that we're not taking lightly here. All right, let's get to your predictions here. Now, normally, because we're not having a Friday show because the Academy Sports and Outdoors right. Texas Bowl. So when you do your predictions, do you do all the games? Because we're not going to do all I the games. I rifle through because it's just me, so I rifle right, through. You, you rifle through. I rifle through. I rifle because I went through some of these with the general. Okay. All right, so the Patriots hosting the Dolphins. Any shot for Miami? No. Okay. No, whatsoever. And, I don't, the number, and I can pull up the oh, number you're, here. Oh, you're going to do the number. Uh, I, I don't think there is any What's the number chance. on it, by the way? I, I mean, it's it's obscene. Uh, uh, it's, I'll let you put it. Where would you put it? Uh, I'd put it Patriots by 13 and a half. 16. Okay. I think they'll, I think they'll obliterate the Dolphins. I don't think that. Mm. 
No, I, I I think they will. I think the, the Dolphins will play the second playoff, and the Dolphins will play hard. Yes, they'll play hard. Dolphins will play hard. I think they'll be within a couple of touchdowns. I think they'll uh, they'll get inside that number. I think. Ha! I think the Patriots will get to a point where they're significantly ahead. This is where the backdoor cover comes in because you they'll get significantly ahead in the second half to let off the gas a little bit, maybe pull some guys. Now they do have a bye week. Right, they do have a bye week coming up if they you know finish the win. Which I the, here's one thing I was I was watching mm-hmm. today, Mark. I love that show Turning Point. You ever seen it? I know yeah, you've seen it. I love it. Show Turning Point. So I pulled up last week, so I watched a little bit of that. Then I went to the week before that. It was the game that the Patriots played the Chiefs. We are so close to playing this game on Sunday. Just a win would give us the third seed. Right. Belichick in that game against the Chiefs runs out of challenges because the officials completely screwed that game up. And Nikhil Harry catches that ball on the sideline and scores. He can't challenge it. And he can't challenge it. Yeah. And they end up not putting the ball in the end zone at that point. That's crazy. And that was a killer. That play is really the difference amongst a million others. But that play in particular goes the other way. The Patriots got an opportunity to tie that and go into overtime, maybe win. Maybe win. And then we've got a better record than the Chiefs. And all we have to do, because we beat them, but either way, uh, I think the Patriots will get the win, and I think they'll win by 17 or more. Okay, let me pick out another one here. Well, the Chiefs, this is very relevant to the Texans situation. Hosting the L.A. Chargers, any shot for the L.A. Chargers? Their cars are running. The <laughs> Dolphins, I don't think that. they got too many young guys. They're, they're, they're playing hard at the end of this thing. So I do think that they'll, they'll play hard in Foxborough. The Chargers, those vets no. are ready to go. Their cars are packed. That bus is packed outside uh, Dignity Healthcare Stadium or whatever it is in L.A. And when they get off that plane, Phillip is heading to San Diego, mm-hmm. and he's done. He's, yeah. he's done. They're, they're all done. And I know they, they might play out for a little bit. No, the Chiefs are going to win that thing. The, the line is nine. I think they're going to obliterate that. How do you think the Bills handle life against the Jets this weekend? Well, there's nothing for the Bills to gain. So the Bills are actually – they can rest, guys. Yeah. There's nothing for them to gain. They can't move up into the top four because they win the division. And they're not going to finish six because the wild card winner will finish no better than nine, and they've got ten wins. So the Bills are just going to – they're looking to get out of Dodge healthy. Right, So I would actually fire in the Jets on the other side. And this is where I point out with everyone talking about the Texans, too. I I remind everyone that it's not like it's a college football roster where you can put an entire extra platoon in there. Right, You are playing starters no matter what because that's all you got. Mathematically, you you can't sit 22 starters. Right. Can't do it. You don't have it. I mean, you have 43 players. You don't have 10 offensive linemen. Let's put in the next five. Right. You can't. you're, You're hamstrung in that way. But you can rest some key guys. If guys have been injured or kind of on the brink, then maybe you don't play them as much. The Bills have nothing to gain with the win. They have nothing to lose with the loss. I, I would think the Jets are going to go in there and play pretty well. They played a one-point game at the beginning of the year. Actually, it's kind of the one that spurred on the Bills to kind of get started. Right. But I think the Bills will rest some guys and try to get out of there as healthy as possible to get ready to probably come here to face the Texans. So uh, I think the Bills will get upset. What about the Packers at the Lions? The Packers at this point, they've got a ton to play for, mm-hmm. and the Lions stink. The yeah. Lions stink. And I remember in training camp, we were watching the Lions. We were here against the Lions, and we faced the Packers up there. And I came home, and I was like, man, the first day, I was like, the Lions are better than the Packers, like point blank. Then the second day, I watched the Lions like, eh, I don't know. And then I remembered, oh, you know what? We didn't see Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams, the running right. backs for the Packers. We didn't see them. Uh, they could make a difference. And Aaron Jones has been unbelievable. I mean, he's been fantastic. He's really kind of 
been the guy driving that but engine. Who knew? But yeah, really, who knew they'd do that? Mm-hmm. I knew they were good. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize they'd go that far. I think the the Packers go to Detroit and they just blow up Detroit. It's twelve and a half. The the lion the lions they're done. I'm going to stay away from Saints, Panthers. I'm going to stay away from Falcons, Buccaneers. I asked McClain, are the Falcons the best losing team in the league? I think there's no doubt, right? <laughs> yeah, the most talented for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're winning Quinn's some, gotten them to play hard. They're winning some big games, yeah, they are. even though they have a terrible record for a team that's playing that well on occasion. Eagles at the Giants. Let's get to the NFC East here. So yep. the Giants do play well on occasion, and yep. Jones played well last week. This is huge for the Eagles, and I think the Giants, they look at this as a bowl game. They're at home. It's a playoff game for them. This is all they got, the chance to make the Eagles miserable. You'll make the Cowboys happy possibly by doing that, but they want to win. They do, and they've got a young quarterback in Daniel Jones. And and here's the other aspect that people, I think, forget about a lot of times. Oh, what do the Giants have to play for? Well, head coach of the Giants could presumably be coaching for his job. Yep. You don't think he wants to put in the time and get that effort from his players to keep his stinking job? Right. Heck yes. So I, I think the Giants are going to play this. That's going to be a knockdown drag out. That has a feel of like 34-31. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, or, or maybe like a 27-24. I don't know. If the, the, maybe not in the 30s. Maybe not in the 30s, but it's going to be a, uh, a – maybe that's one be team. A rough, rough contest. I do think the Eagles win, and the Eagles right. will win a division. But the Giants are going to play the hard. They've got nothing to pull back from. I mean, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, they've got a little bit of talent on the offensive side. The defense made some plays against the Redskins the other day. And they got a little bit of they got a little bit of confidence boost in a win over the Redskins. So I think the Giants can go in there and play well, but the Eagles will end up getting that win. Should never base NFL thoughts on vibes, but my vibe is the Ravens, I don't care who they're playing, are going to be the Steelers on Sunday in Baltimore. I mean, RG3 getting a shot. That's the other thing, too. Some of these guys that get a shot mm-hmm. might be their last shot. Right. It might be the last shot. Now, I do think that RG3 will get brought back as a, as a backup, but, you know, the, the Ravens have gotten to this point because they were not afraid of letting guys that were familiar with that organization walk. Terrell Suggs, go right. ahead. Eric Weddle, go ahead. We'll go find Earl Thomas. We know Matthew Judon's a dude. We'll let him play. So they're not scared. So RG3's looking at this going, I got an opportunity to show what I can do. Right. So he's going to play his guts out. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think the Ravens end up making that very, very difficult. And that's a rivalry. Like you said, you don't want to see them dancing on your turf right. because they've beaten you. Now, the Steelers do need a little bit of help, um, and they need some help from us. That is a bitter rivalry for bitter. sure. Bitter. Okay. Bitter. So I, Pittsburgh's I just, favored, though. Pittsburgh's favored by two. I have one. never seen a backup quarterback play as much as RG3 in wins with a healthy starting quarterback, right? <laughs> it's like every week he's playing the entire fourth quarter, it feels like. Quarter. He's getting a lot of action, and he's eager for this opportunity. All right, Colts at the Jags. Do we need to talk about this one? No. Colts. I mean, the Raiders need the Colts to win mm-hmm. but because they need to create a four-way tie. But, uh, you know, Again, that's right. They need the Colts to win to get to eight and eight to right. mucky up the strength of victory, strength right. of whatever potion that they have in the tiebreaker format. The the Raiders need a four way tie. Mm. They cannot have a three way tie that doesn't include the Colts because then they get knocked out by the Titans. Right. But the Raiders, they also need one other victory with strength of victory. So the Raiders end up playing at three twenty five against the Broncos. Here's the flip side of that: if the Raiders lose and the Broncos win. The Broncos, after that miserable start, end up 7-9, just like the Raiders, and the Broncos would then go to second in the AFC West. 
Wow. So it, it's the Broncos kind of, could finish second in the West. Broncos could finish second in the West. That's, seven that's, and nine. Uh, that's really amazing stuff yeah. right there. Seven and nine. All right, Cardinals at the Rams. Who cares? 49ers at the Seahawks. Ooh, Big one Sunday night. Boy, here we go. The 49ers can be anywhere from the first, the second, or the fifth. The first, second, or fifth. Now, as of Sunday, before the Packers played the Vikings, they could have been the first, the second, the third, or the sixth. Now, they can't be the sixth because the Vikings are going to finish with ten wins. They're the sixth. But if the Seahawks end up winning this, the Seahawks will be 12-4. Mm-hmm. and four, The Niners will be 12-4. and four, The Saints win. They'll be 13-3. and three, So the Saints will be the one. Then I, the Seahawks would be the two because they would have beaten the 49ers twice. But you also got to see what happens with Green Bay. I don't know how Green Bay factors into all that. Um, so it's a wild weekend. Detroit. But in century link with everything on the line, I am more apt in this one to trust the Niners. The Niners? Because the Seahawks are banged up. Dwayne's out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Or not, not the rest of the year, but next two or three weeks. Clowney's been banged up. They've lost all their running backs. They just brought back Marshawn Lynch and yep. Robert Turbin. They mm-hmm. just went back to the future. Yeah. And I think the Niners – Is Sean Alexander not available? No. he's. Yeah, I think he's calling games somewhere. I just think the Niners will Kurt go Warner. there. The other Kurt Warner. The other Kurt Warner. I think the Niners are ready to kind of turn it – they had a nice win against the Rams, a come-from-behind win. I think that's going to help them a little bit. I think the Niners end up getting an upset win in Seattle. All right, you have 15 seconds for each of these games. Okay. Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, Aggies and Cowboys. I am going to go with – I'm going to go with the Aggies. Texas, okay. uh, the Texas Aggies. I, I think that Kellen Mond will do enough against that Oklahoma State secondary. This is going to be a fun ball game. Mm-hmm. I do – I like that Chuba Hubbard's playing for Oklahoma State. I think AM will help slow him down. But I think Kellen Mond, he's going to have a ball game that he needs to propel himself into the 2020 season. 545 kick at NRG Stadium Friday night. Okay, OU and LSU in the Peach Bowl National Semifinal. Who do you got? LSU in a rout. Yeah, it's going to be ugly, route. isn't it? I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to do some things. It, it is but possible, it's be Johnny. A route. It is possible that OU could do something here. Yeah. But the crowd, the oh, yeah. whole thing, it's going to be ridiculous. But OU is banged up defensively. They had three guys get hurt. Mm. Uh, I, I, yeah, three guys ended up getting hurt. I think a fourth just got named yesterday that got hurt. LSU has been on fire all year. I think OU will, will, they'll, will do some things early. LSU what? will just that second half take run away with it. And in the Fiesta, what a punishment for Ohio State as a two seed to have to play Clemson here. I, I think Clemson wins. Yes. I think Ohio State has a bunch of talent a lot of different places. Ohio State has not played a Clemson this year. Mm-hmm. Now, you'll say, well, who's Clemson played this year? This Clemson team has beat all comers. I mean, this is a pretty similar team to the one that ended up beating Alabama. There are a lot of guys on that team last year that beat Alabama that made key plays, will be there against Ohio State to make key plays against Ohio State. Clemson will win that football game. Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank you. That's John Harris coming up. Zach Cunningham joins D.B. Sidhu in the Deep Slant interview presented by Xfinity. So let's have that, and then let's have a conversation with Jim Wyatt. He used to be with the Tennessean. Now he's with the Tennessee Titans. He's a great writer, and let's get a little scattering report on their situation. It's all coming up on Texans Radio. Continuing on the program, hour number two, bonus radio, no Thursday night football for the second consecutive week. So we have two-hour Texans All-Access Thursday night programming for you and another show next week with obviously no Thursday night football because it's playoff week. Right now, regular season finale, we're getting ready for a 325 kick on Sunday. Texans, Titans, Fan Appreciation Day, giving away Super Bowl tickets, giving away Pro Bowl tickets, 
giving away a lot of stuff. So check it all out. HoustonTexans.com has that information for you. Now, extra tailgating time, too, because of the 325 kickoff. Let's get into this. Zach Cunningham is having an amazing year. He is third in the league in combined tackles. He's first in the league in solo tackles. He's having a monster campaign, and D.P. Sidhu had a chance to sit down with him, the Xfinity one-on-one deep slant interview with D.P. Sidhu and Zach Cunningham. Welcome in. So Thank you very I, much. Thank you for having me. I know you just love doing interviews. Just <laughs> no, of course, of course. You, you're not a big media guy. You don't like to get in front of the camera. You kind of play it low-key. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much since I was a kid. That's how I've always been. <laughs> I just want to say, we put this uh, interview up on YouTube, and a lot mm. of people commented they wanted to have you on here. So, oh, wow. better okay. late than never, <laughs> okay. you're on here. All right, you don't like interviews and attention, but you have been getting a lot of attention for your play on the field mm. and also the game day outfits. And I know that you're sort of the mastermind behind the coordinated outfits uh-huh. of the inside <laughs> linebackers. So, this year you guys have done, let's see, Space Jam, Mario Brothers, Mortal Kombat, Dodgeball. Uh, yeah. Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. I think we did an all-black outfit one time, and not sure. What Were those the ones with the triangular hats? No, that was that was the Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I have a lot of questions about this. Okay. First of all, <laughs> when do you come up with the idea for what you're going to wear for that week? Is it like spontaneous, or do you have this sort of mapped out? Uh, no, it's always sometime before the game starts. Like. Most of the time, it's been like the day before the game. I'll come and like the like, day before the game. Not where I decided, but where I like they don't even know what what I have for them to wear until like the, the night before the game. I'll bring it to the hotel and like, okay, this is what we're wearing for tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, there were a couple couple of weeks where like I you know had them prepared beforehand, let them know what we're going to be wearing for the week. It's a bit. I mean, as far as me deciding when or what we're going to wear. It's, it's been kind of random. I really planned it out. I, I've had this discussion with John Harris. I'm like, do you think he orders on Amazon Prime like he does two-day shipping? Because if you come up with the idea to get everything right, in time right. for the game, four guys, you guys are big guys, so mm-hmm. I'm sure finding sizes aren't easy. Yeah. Are, are you yeah, actually yeah, out shopping yeah, for outfits? I've I, I actually been on Amazon Prime for, oh, okay. for most of the outfits. Some of them I had to actually go go to the stores and find stuff, but... Most of it has been Amazon Prime. All right, dodgeball. You had Gotta Dylan. Make it quick. I was I was really fascinated by this. I was like, well, he's very organized. He's got it together. Dodgeball. You had Dylan Cole in the wheelchair. Yeah. That worked out very perfectly because not for Dylan, he was injured. Right, but right, right. It worked out well that he was the coach. So, wh- did you have that idea already planned, or you were waiting no, for I'm, someone to go on IR to, to plan? No, no, I definitely had <laughs> yeah, that one planned. Like, how did that happen? Uh, this was, I guess, after Dylan got hurt. Um, that that week or the week before, uh, one of the, actually one of the guys in the training room had suggested that we uh, should do oh. should do that, and I, I was like, yeah, that's a, actually a really good idea. So we went ahead and uh, went, went with it. Very clever. All right, can you give us any idea of what you might do in the future, or is this still? Oh yeah, yeah, we like to we like to keep that a secret. Well, I mean, I guess if your teammates don't even it's know, in, you're insider information. Insider information. <laughs> well, we can't wait to see what you. Pull up. All right, the average Joe's, that was the gym in dodgeball, mm-hmm. but you've been playing nothing like an average Joe this season. So year three, you lead the AFC in tackles. You've set, like, single-season career highs in um, mm. a number <laughs> of categories. I mean, let me just rattle these off. Tackles for loss, fumble recovery, sacks, quarterback hits. What's been different for you this year? Um, I guess for me, just getting more acclimated to the game. Uh, you know, year to year, week to week, just – Getting more in tune with you know how the, the play of the game, how to, uh, my role that I fit into the defense, and just the way that the game goes, just getting more acclimated to it. 
And then this year you've had some pretty big plays on the field. Your speed is something else. Like that Whitney Merciless <laughs> interception. I know that he gave you a hard time. He said Zach should have given yeah, yeah, yeah. me a block or, or something. <laughs> but to watch you run across the field, you sprint, you, I mean, you were moving across yeah, the yeah. field that day. Yeah, I see what and I guess you were talking about. Are you the fastest linebacker, you think, of the group? I, I mean, I wouldn't know. I know Dylan's, Dylan's pretty fast. Yeah. I, I, I would say it would definitely be between me and Dylan. All right. You recovered the fumble um, on the Angela Blackson's second blocked field goal. Right, right, right. How cool was it to be on the field for a moment like that? Yeah, that was, that was crazy. Definitely crazy. And I, I didn't even think I was going to get to the ball first because there was uh, one of the guys, I think Mingo, was uh, going to the ball before me. So that was definitely a crazy moment. <laughs> when, when a field goal gets blocked like that, I mean, it's happened two weeks in a row mm-hmm. for this team. Is it something that you're just sort of always on the lookout for it? Or are you? I was asking Angelo. I said, does it surprise you when it happens? He said he still gets sort of surprised. Yeah, yeah. It for, you know, it's still a surprise for me because I'm not used to that always happening, you know, especially like two weeks in a row or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely a surprise. Like, when I picked up the ball, I wasn't even sure exactly where to run. I just went to the side. You made some headway on that play, yeah. too. What about some – you've faced some tough running backs, and this team's been pretty good against the run this year. Mm-hmm. Who has been – do you think the toughest challenge for toughest you? Toughest challenge. Uh, for me, I would definitely say McCaffrey. Uh, oh, yeah. He uh, definitely had a lot of su- surprising power that I wasn't expecting uh, when he ran the ball. You can tell he's, like, he works hard and he, he runs the ball hard. Yeah, and yeah. then you, you face, like Derrick Henry, you'll face him again, obviously. Mm-hmm. When you are working in the offseason, what are, what are some of the things that you have to work on to get better at what you do as a linebacker? Uh, as far as being a linebacker, it's, it's – a lot of just, just sticking with a lot of the fundamentals, like just uh, going through drills, you know, foot, you know, working on footwork. Uh, I guess for me in the defense, working on pass coverage as well. So I'm, you know, working on my drops and stuff like that. You and BMAC, you guys have been like a tag team duo for the last few years. How, how much have your has your chemistry really developed over the last few years? Just having him next to you, and the two of you seem to be pretty good friends off the field too. But just mm-hmm. the two of you together, what you guys have been able to do. Yeah, we've uh, definitely been together for since I've been here for a good amount of time. We spent a lot of time together on and off the field, so that's definitely helped us as far as on the field. You know, being, you know, communication, not not even just verbal, just knowing, you know, got a feel for what you know the other guy's going to do, what what is going to do. He has a good feel for how I'm going to play a certain play, so that's that's definitely something that's helped us. Well, you, I mentioned that you lead the AFC in tackles. Do you think that's something where you're seeing the game differently. I mean, you've always been a, a good tackler on this defense, obviously, mm-hmm. but to be able to get to where you need to be as the play's developing, is that sort of like things that the instinct has sort of taken over for you mm-hmm. in the game now in year three? Yeah, I definitely say a lot of instinct has uh, taken taken into effect, taken into account in, uh, in the way I play. I play a lot off, off of instinct, and I feel like that's, that's gotten uh, better and better as I've progressed in my uh, years of playing here. What's your favorite part of playing in this defense? I know you guys are asked to do a lot of different things, and mm-hmm. you're asked to be pretty versatile, but what, what do you particularly like doing in Romeo Cornell's defense? Uh, I mean, for me, just the favorite part of being with the defense is making plays, uh, being, being around guys who also make plays, and you know, we both you know, feeding off that energy, being able to uh, – one thing that we stress all the time is stopping the run, being able to go into every week and being able to actually stop the run and actually make those plays. That's something that I, that I take pride in as far as me and as far as the defense. Obviously, this team's headed to the playoffs now, uh, back-to-back years. How different are those games compared to regular season games? I know you guys take every regular season game like it's a big challenge, but mm-hmm. is there something extra special knowing that you're 
in a postseason when a lot of teams obviously are eliminated and it's just a few teams left out there competing? Right, right, right. Uh, and I guess for me, I haven't really had that much of an opportunity. We had that the uh, one game last year. That was my first playoff game in the NFL. So like, you obviously want to build on it. Probably yeah, this they, year. definitely want to uh, take it further than than last year. Want to uh, you know just taking that, that preparation. Going into it, it's definitely a lot more serious. You know, it's you win or go home. So that, that's basically my mentality going into it. All right. So with all the stats that you've put up this year, have you surprised yourself in how your year three has gone for you? Is there anything that you want to continue to improve? You've got just a little bit of time left now here through the regular season. Uh, I think there's uh, definitely, there's, with each game, even with the, the games, like all the tackles and stuff like that, there's plays that I've left out there on the field. So I wouldn't really say I'm more surprised myself versus like knowing I could have made more plays out there. You're pretty hard on yourself. You, yeah. <laughs> you watch the film and you're like, I should have done this differently. Right, 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 right. All right, Zach, thank you so much. Don't be a stranger. Come on. <laughs> I'll try not YouTube to YouTube people want to see you on here more <laughs> I often. I got you. I got you. All right. Thanks so much, Zach. Thank you very much. The pride of the Vanderbilt Commodores. That's the Commodores without Lionel Richie. Zach Cunningham joining Deep Slant, DB Sidhu. Joining the Deep Slant. That's not really her nickname. It's the nickname of stuff she does. That's her brand name. Presented by Xfinity, by the way. All right, so Zach doing a great job this season. As we said, I remember when he got drafted, Andre Ware was so excited. At the time, he was the unofficial voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores because he did so many of their games for ESPN out of the SEC. Johnny was excited, and he's really coming into his own this year. He's played well before this, but this year he's taken it to another level. He's a Pro Bowl alternate. Really great stuff to see from Zach Cunningham. Now, we're going to bring DB back because she'll go one-on-one with Jim Wyatt. Let's get some in-depth, inside information on the Tennessee Titans, the opponent that invades on Sunday. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I do not want to see the Tennessee Titans celebrating on the NRG Stadium turf. I just don't want to see it. I know it would be kind of good for the division, but in the NFL, good for the division doesn't mean much. It's not like college where somebody that does well in your conference is really good for recruiting overall. In the NFL, it's just sort of a a feather in your cap kind of thing, and who cares at this point? It would be kind of cool for the AFC South to have two playoff teams out of the division for three consecutive years, but really... You want to see the Tennessee Titans celebrate on your field? No, I don't. So let's just move on, get them out of here with a loss. And they could still actually make the postseason with a loss, but uh, I'll take my chances doing that. Anyway, Jim White with info on the Titans coming up next as D.P. Sidhu visits with him. It's all happening on Texans All Access. It's our final segment of the program, a two-hour stretch of Texans radio on a Thursday night with the big one coming up on Sunday, the Tennessee Titans coming into NRG Stadium AFC South. Now, if the Texans get this one, they will have lost only one game in the division all year. They'll go 5-1 and one in the AFC South, which is really cool stuff. And even with a loss, 4-2, and two, that's why it's so important to win your division games. This thing, if it had come down to a tiebreaker, the Texans would have won it against the Titans because they would have only two division losses had they lost the finale, and the Titans would have had three. So the Titans couldn't have touched them for the division championship got to do well in the division that's job one the patriots it's funny the patriots and it's not funny but they celebrated that afc east title i mean they really did you saw that locker room speech from bill belichick they took pride in that they know that that is job one for them this is a team that wins multiple super bowls but they know they don't go anywhere without first winning the division it's your first goal texans got it done last week with the victory at tampa bay And now they look to improve their standing, if at all possible, if the Chiefs are able to lose, able to lose to the Chargers on Sunday and the Texans win. 
then they get that three seed. Now, even without the three seed, you want to go in with momentum. We've been talking about it the whole show. You want to go in with something positive going for your squad. Also, health would be a big positive, too, getting healthier. So we'll see how they possibly arrive at that. Anyway, let's get to it. Jim Wyatt, senior writer for the Tennessee Titans, used to be with the Tennessee and always does a great job covering this team, whether it was for that paper, whether it's for the team website, DP City caught up with the Tennessee Titans writer. Joining us this week, Jim Wyatt, senior writer and editor for the Tennessee Titans. Just a few weeks ago, Jim, that we spoke, and here we are again. How's it going? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's crazy uh, to have two games within uh, close proximity, but uh, that's what we're faced with, and certainly a big game for the Titans uh, end of the week 17. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the Titans. Obviously, they're in a win-or-go-home scenario, so it is sort of like a playoff game for them. What can you tell us about the other playoff scenarios for Tennessee if they don't win? Yeah, the most important one is for them to win. And uh, and so if you bring up anything but that, you're certainly people are going to uh, get their feathers ruffled around here. But there is, and it's something fans can talk about, obviously. But um, there's a scenario where they can still get in if they lose as long as Pittsburgh loses and the Colts lose. Uh, you know, you, there's some ties that factor into the scenario, but really the Titans had, had really hoped to be in a situation where it was a winner in game. Um, and it wasn't like that until uh, the Titans got a loss out of Pittsburgh last week. Um, this is the third year in a row that has been like this for the Titans. Two years ago, they faced the Jaguars in week 17, and they won to get into the playoffs and then the big Kansas City and Kansas City before losing to the Patriots. Last year, they were in a winning-in scenario in week 17, and they lost the game Marcus Mariota could not play in, and, uh, and their season ended. So uh, it, it certainly would be a lot better if um, if they had things clinched and, and were in a position where there were questions about who was playing, kind of what Houston faced with this week. But that's where the Titans are in week 17, and they got to figure out a way to make the most of it. It is such a strange situation to be in uh, for the, like you said, the last three years where week 17 is a win or go home game. How does Mike Vrabel handle the week 17 games? I mean, obviously it's not his first time that he's had a game with so much pressure um, with everything riding on it, but is there anything different in how he's handled it this year as opposed to his previous years? Well, one thing they did do this year, and I, I think last year it was obviously different because they had a quarterback, their starting quarterback, um, you know, was not able to play, and really that news didn't surface until um, I think the day before the game, and um, and they've tried to win a game with Blaine Gabbert. Uh, it didn't go so well. You know, season ended with a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Uh, this year it is different. Uh, we know who the starting quarterback is going to be uh, in Ryan Tannehill, and I think it's safe to say we know who the starting running back is going to be in Derrick Henry, but they did in leading up to Week 17. They rested Henry against the Saints in Week 16 to try to get him healthy and ready to go. It was kind of strange to have a Week 16 game not really impact the playoff scenarios that much, and that's why the Titans opted to do what they did last week. And uh, the hope is that he'll be uh, closer to 100 and can get back into the form he was in when he ran for over 100 yards four games in a row. Uh, but that, that's, you know, that's been, I guess, the biggest build-up to this thing. I think, I think Mike Vrabel's approach it like it's a playoff game. I mean, um, and I think all players are like that. They realize that you know, if they don't take care of business on Sunday, 
then season's going to end and they'll be you know, cleaning out their lockers uh, on Monday morning. Yeah, I think a lot of people were praising Mike Vrabel and the Titans for resting Derrick Henry because they were playing the Saints and it didn't really impact the playoff scenario knowing that the Texans had won on Saturday. Derrick Henry still second in the AFC in rushing yards even after the week off. What can you tell us? How close would he have been to playing on Sunday had the Texans lost and that game would have been a clincher for the Titans? Do you think that Vrabel or, or, or Derrick Henry would have been able to play or do you think the approach would have been the same? I know I'm sort of asking you to sort of guess, but but how do you think that would have played out? I, I think he would have played. I mean, I, I think if, if the, uh, knowing that the Texans, if the Texans had lost and in, in the game in, in the AFC South title hopes were going to be on the line, if you went out and you controlled your own destiny, I don't, I don't know how you could uh, rest him. And I haven't asked that question specifically, but just knowing – you know, the way the practice week went last week, and Derrick Henry was listed as a full participant on Friday. He said on Thursday, hey, if I'm left my leg is halfway off, I'm going to play. So, And that's what he had said in previous weeks, and he played. But when the Texans, you know, they made a roster move on Saturday. They called up Dalen Dawkins from the practice squad, and it was done, you know, but, you know, during the first half of the day, it's not like they waited until the Texans had won and then made that move. It was, it was in the process of being done before that game had started. But I think it was done just to protect themselves in the event they were going to rest Derek. And then I think when they realized, you know, the Week 17 game is is is, is what's go- going to determine our fate. No questions asked. I think that's when they decided uh, they were going to rest him and um, and just try to get him ready for Sunday. I always find that so fascinating. Even this week, uh, the two games that Tennessee sort of will be watching, Pittsburgh and Indianapolis, they're both taking place at the same time. So they can't obviously make any decisions knowing the outcomes of those games because they'll be being played out at the same time. Uh, let, let's talk about Ryan Tannehill. He threw for three touchdowns and 272 yards in that loss to the Saints, but he was also sacked five times. Uh, what can you tell us about the performance of the offensive line and, and Tannehill's progress even in the last two weeks since these two teams have met well he, he's been really good for the titans i mean it's it's uh it's has surprised me and i think it surprised a lot of people just how effective he's been i watched him in training camp i watched him in practice and i certainly thought of something happened to marcus mariota at some point that he would step in and play well but to, for him to be playing as well as he's playing and to lead the league uh, in passer rating heading into week 17, um, it's pretty remarkable. And I, I think, you know, around here, I, mean, I think the conversation has gone away from which quarterback is this team going to pick in the draft to, you know, is Ryan Tannehill going to be back on a franchise tag or is he going to be back on a long-term deal? Obviously some things have to be worked out, but he has really established himself, you know, I think in the locker room and on the field, uh, protection wasn't as good on Sunday, and that's one of the reasons he's been so successful. He's had time to throw and operate, and he's hung in the pocket. But he was sacked five times on Sunday. I think uh, part of that was because he held the ball too long on at least a couple of them. He's got to get rid of the ball quicker. I think part of it also was because they just you know didn't have uh, a threat in the run game like they had in previous weeks with Derrick Henry. I don't think play action was effect- as effective. I don't think the Saints respected, you know, the run, and they maybe came after 
Caney Hill a little bit more. Uh, you know, the hope and the expectation is that maybe um, with Henry back in there, it'll be better. But, uh, you know, they can't afford him to take the hit. He's taken a lot of hits, and, and, you know, credit to him for being able to stand a lot of that and keep keep it going. But, um, you know, that, that's got to be an area that they limit the hits on him where he can have time to throw. I think one of the, the young players that uh, has really impressed everyone around the league is A.J. Brown, the wide receiver. Last week, Marshawn Lattimore was sort of his uh, blanket the whole game, so he didn't get a lot of catches, but he had a really cool play where he uh, got the pitch from the quarterback and then had a 49-yard rushing touchdown. What about his versatility? How much has that surprised you? Do you foresee them using A.J. Brown a little bit differently in the receiving game uh, moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just going to try to get him the ball as many times as they possibly can. I mean, it's remarkable. Some of the stats that the team puts out, uh, the media relations uh, core with the team, you know, comes up with a lot of nuggets each week going into games. And I was just kind of reading through some of the ones they had for A.J. Brown, just his big plays. And uh, I, mean, I think it's 45. I think he has uh, you know, more plays, scrimmage plays of 45 yards or more than any player in the league and he's done it as you mentioned running the ball he's done it catching it he's he's made multiple big really big plays downfield by getting open and getting past the defender he's also made catches in the open field and made guys miss uh, i've seen a lot of you know early picks and he was a second round pick but i've seen a lot of first round picks who have taken time to develop and and certainly never developed the way he has so quickly and that's from Kendall Wright to, to Corey Davis to, you know, to Tyrone Calico to Kenny Brett I mean a, a lot of these guys have flashed that the Titans have taken early in the draft but uh, this guy has offered so much promise so soon um, and when you start looking at the future uh, you know, he's going to be a huge part of it you know he, he kind of has changed their offense and I think you know all of it works together. Taney Hill's having a really good year. Derek Henry's having a good year. A.J. Brown's having a good year. Jonu Smith has really developed and become a weapon of a tight end. And I think all of them, uh, their presence makes the other ones more effective. Uh, let's switch gears and talk defense. And that secondary, Dory Jackson, is, is sort of the name that we've come to know over the years. What can you tell us about his status? I saw that he was not practicing this week. I know it's an estimation but uh, how ready do you think he'll be for Sunday's game? And, and what's the concern? Who steps up in case he doesn't? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point it's a great bonus to get him back, but he's been, he has just been not a part of the equation here the last several weeks. He suffered a foot injury uh, in, in Indianapolis earlier this month. He hasn't played since. He, uh, he was on the practice field for one day leading up to the game against the Saints, and then they kind of shut him down. And then here during a, a practice week that's been a little bit different, they practice on Tuesday, and then we're off Christmas uh, Day. And then the you know, practice schedule you know, has him on the, had him on the field Thursday, and then they'll be on the field again on Friday. Um, so it's been kind of tough to gauge whether he's made progress uh, enough progress to play. Um, I think how things go on Friday will kind of really give you a good feel of what his status is going to be. But, you know, Tremaine Brock has stepped in, a guy they you know they acquired late uh, in the season from the Cardinals, has played. I think he's played better in recent weeks. Ty Smith stepped up. Logan Ryan has been really the dependable, you know, cornerback for them uh, who's played in, in, in several different spots on defense. I mean, and, and been asked to do a lot of different things. I mean, they've had to make it work even with injuries at that position. You know, they were down 
they're down Malcolm Butler, um, who who suffered a season-ending uh, wrist injury, you know, at the midway point, and now they've been playing without a Dory. They've had Sean Sims, a guy, step up a play that he was hurt, and now he's kind of back in. They've had to really shuffle a lot in the secondary, and uh, and now the hope is that Dory's back at some point, but kind of remains to be seen whether it's on Sunday. And if, if he's not back Sunday, then you certainly you know, put yourself in a tougher spot. Jim, what about for you? What stories are you covering as we get through these last few days of the week? I think just Derek. I think Derek Henry, obviously, just how how he looks leading up to the game uh, compared to how he looked in previous weeks. I mean, that's um, that's a big one for me, and uh, and I think it's a big one for the Titans. And then just how the how the team handles you know, the pressure this time around. I, I think they I thought they handled it well going into last year's winning in game. It just unfortunately without Marcus playing. Uh, it just was too much to overcome. They made some turnovers in that game. They've got to stay uh, on Sunday. I think the key is to, for them to get off to a good start, not turn the ball over, kind of uh, you know put some pressure on the Texans. And, again, I, I'm curious to see how Bill O'Brien's going to approach things there. I think everybody is um, uh, because he's, he's, he certainly has made it clear he's playing to win, but which players he's playing with is uh, to, to try to win it is uh, – is going to have an impact on this game as well. Certainly will, and you can go a lot of different directions. We'll all be watching. It should be a fun game on Sunday here at NRG Stadium. Jim Wyatt, thank you as always for the time, and look forward to seeing you here on Sunday. Sounds good. Thank you, DP. There's DP Sidhu with Jim Wyatt of the Tennessee Titans, senior writer for TitansOnline.com. Yeah, that's their website. Anyway, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Thank you to John Harris for being on. Zach Cunningham with DP, John McClain way earlier on in the show. And tomorrow night we'll have the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl on the Sports Radio 610 Airways Friday night kickoff, 545. You want to listen in to that and be ready for the regular season finale with the Texans and Titans Sunday at 325 with the kickoff. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.